0: Welcome to the intersection of theater and even more theater. You have achieved stage grok. Stage Grok, the Roaming Theater Podcast, coming to you from the Geographic Center of the American Theater. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Today I talk with Tom Jones, book writer and lyricist of the Broadway musical Celebration. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me about Celebration. Uh, just for some background for folks who are listening. Um, we decided to do Celebration with New Line, and I emailed you and said, hey, this is really weird. Can I talk to you about it? And you offered me a new revision of the show. Yes. So first, I want to talk about what was the original impulse that led you to celebration.
1: Well, uh, not necessarily the best of impulses, actually. <laughs> I, we we had done <clears throat> the Fantastics, 110, The Shade, and I Do, I Do, and in fact, when I Do, I Do was running, and the Fantastics. Once, the Once and Forever Fantastics was still running. And Harvey Schmidt and I had a good deal of money coming in. We rented this building in midtown Manhattan and set up a thing called Portfolio Studios. And our egocentric goal there <laughs> was to do only original musicals.
0: And, 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 and was it from the beginning definitely going to be experiments?
1: Oh yes I mean we wanted to do them in, in different ways you know we we felt like we had the fantastics is very experimental yeah. even now I yeah. mean there're not many things like that right now and uh then we did our sort of Rogers and hammerstein show in effect with 110 the shade uh and then to show that we could that we had learned to do that and then we did I do I, we had never the fantastics was loosely based on a Rostan play le Romanesque, but then we we were kind of working in a logical way, and we got to the point where we wanted to like jump off a high cliff and see what what happened, yeah and we wanted to do as I say originals and in, in uh in, untried experimental forms. And the first one we did was Celebration. And uh, we didn't have a... I must honestly confess, I think I put it in my book, uh, Making Musicals, I don't have a real talent for writing original musicals. (laughs) You've written several of them. (laughs) But not too many. Uh, Because, and I have, but it takes me... Years and years and years to kind of work. Playwright is spelled P L A W W R I G H T, and it's that that second part. It's like wheelwright or carpenter. the The people who are really expert. I'm good, if I may say so, at certainly at lyrics. I'm, I like that, and and uh, and it's sometimes inventing interesting characters, and a lot of times even interesting dialogue. But getting all of the... It's like if I were to build a wheel, it wouldn't roll, you know what I mean? <laughs> if I built a chair, one of the legs would would not... And that, that's the way it is. But so I finally, eventually, get, get them to work out, more or less, but it takes so long. And... Uh, when we did our show, original show, Philemon, uh we did we tried it over a period of three or four years and maybe six or seven totally different kind of versions, at at our theater portfolio.
0: Yeah, but how nice that you had that oh, space really, to experiment really, in. Really,
1: yes. And um, I will have to say, yes, it was nice. And but unlike, uh, we'd had no grants or anything. We it was it was where we put our money, you know,
0: but. So this was kind of your other shows paying for more fun. That's that right,
1: that's right. Uh, and uh, they, the, Jay Harnick, I don't know if you ever knew, yeah. Sheldon's brother, who ran a wonderful network of children's theater things, but he came, he eventually said, we should call, instead of a portfolio, we should call our theater the New York Philharmonic. Because we did so many versions no, of Philomon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, we've lost the. Anyway, the celebration. We wanted to do something. I was very much uh, under the influence of Peter Brook, whom I admire and don't admire. I, I admire, <clears throat> love his work, <clears throat> but I feel he was wrong. To go so far away from commercial theater, and I think his impact would have been better if he had stayed doing things like Marat Sad and that sort of thing, rather than going to India and and you know, being somewhat, god, they're going to jump on this artsy fartsy, in my <laughs> opinion, you know. But I, he's a great visionary and great director, and he talked in his book called The Open empty space. stage. The empty stage, yeah. And uh, about the theater of myth and ritual and the theater of the streets, like uh, belly dancers and clowns and uh, poo poo cushions, in effect. <laughs> you know. Our original production on Broadway of the Fantastic, of a celebration, <clears throat> oh, the critics hated this man. Uh, not everybody enjoys bathroom humor, you know. <laughs> but but if if you have a delayed adolescence, which I had and have, but they they get ready to lower Mr. Rich, this big corpulent figure, off the thing. And all the 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 young girls in the ensemble have poo poo cushions and you see them blow <laughs> them up and they put them down and they sit the actor there and for the first four minutes before he spoke. The actor was expert at lifting one hip (laughs) and whatever. It was like um, the scene in uh, Blazing Saddle, except just one person. (laughs) And everybody loved that, but everybody hated it on stage with this. I was ahead of of my time. That's part
0: of what we're having fun with, Celebration, that it's this amazing ritualistic Yeah kind of sacred thing, but it's also this incredibly vulgar thing at the same time, yes. which is so
1: much fun. Uh, vulgar and with so few pasties and, and you know, <laughs> bikinis. Uh, that's showbiz, you know. The very first <clears throat> Aristophanes, 500 B.C., in, I don't remember which one it is, one of the plays, a, a character playing Dionysus comes out with his clown, and the clown's first line is, should I make the big joke? And he says, why not? And he lets a fart. <laughs> and, uh, and that, so that's a, a very honorable tradition going back a long way. Indeed. Uh, so now, was, so
0: did you work on Celebration at Portfolio first?
1: We, yes, uh, we we had kind of had another an idea for something... Uh, that we worked on <clears throat> before we had celebration, and before we did, I do, I do. Maybe even before we did, "110 of the Shades." So this is early uh, mid. It was originally called Ratfink. Don't ask me why. <laughs> and then uh, later, and then it had an an old man and a young girl, and it it was like. In that instance, it was an old man who had become very wealthy but who had lost the one love of his life when he was innocent. And so he, he creates a total artificial world and goes to the orphanage, the, the girl, the or- and uh, has her selected. And he's like, without ever meeting her, he grooms her to, to replicate the girl that he lost all those years before. well wow, that's, that's it, creepy. Uh, <laughs> creepy and... and <laughs> Artsy-fartsy both. <laughs> the fartsy part, I don't mind. It's the, the artsy that, that does you. And, yes, creepy indeed. <laughs> it wouldn't go over too well now. Yeah. And it didn't go over too We never was done. Right. I mean, he does He has a song called Baby Fat." <laughs> oh, one day they're pink and pretty and pudgy, as cute as a kitty cat, <laughs> as round as a bowler hat, just perfect to pinch like Shirley Temple. Oh Don't, wow. That would can wow. you imagine what would happen if yeah. only Donald Trump would laugh, you yeah. know. <laughs> and anyway, uh so we've so, so so we, there we have like a band germs of the ideas what? there. There was a little germ in there of an idea, but again, like what I decided that, that I didn't want to like pursue that all. Although I I kind of went back to it in a totally morphed different way in a different musical later on, which has but never been seen except a, a workshop at, for, called The Bone Room uh, uh, about male, which, there's male a, menopause. There's a
0: song or two from that in the piano book collection from you guys. Oh, uh, maybe. From both. Yeah,
1: um, I wonder uh, which one. What,
0: what? What a wonderful way to die! Wonderful way to die. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like that song. <laughs> uh, but the, Mr. Katsuta in Tokyo <clears throat> did it in Tokyo. I couldn't believe it, and I again tried to work on the ending. it still doesn't have an ending, so I've decided to like get to the point and like the lady and the tiger, the short story, and just stop because right? I d- didn't know the ending. I still don't know the ending. But uh, anyway, it got wonderful notices of very avant-garde, which it, it it is, it's part avant-garde and part just a hopeless mess, you know. (laughs) But anyway, uh, finally we decided to, we wanted to do a ritual, something with ritual implications. Because of specifically because of Peter Brook, with mythic. So we looked around, and we looked around, and I started going through uh, books of anthropology and theater, and I finally got back to the earliest source I could find. <laughs> this is not the way. If anybody's listening and wants to write a musical, don't do it this way. <laughs> so it's my best advice to you, really. And we found a, a, a battle, a New Year's battle, from a Sumerian legend... Five thousand BC. Well, they don't write them like that anymore, <laughs> you know. And uh, and uh, it was an old man, and a young man, and a girl, and who, and the promise of re- regeneration, or not. And so we decided to take that and set it into ritual form. In the original version. As written and done at our workshop, and then moved to Broadway uh the it was set just just like it was set as a ritual thing Potemkin the the guy who plays Potemkin a narrator comes in in a long cloak with a he looks ex, exactly like something out of Ingmar Bergman, which was the intention <laughs> and he does this, and then these ritual masked figures come in, and so forth. <clears throat> but at the same time, there was something about the premise that never felt right. You didn't know exactly what, what, it, why they were, who was doing what to whom. You know. So in this version that you have been doing and has never been done before, uh, we tried to. I tried to set it like homeless people in a sense, uh, with theatrical proclivities, uh, out on an empty street on a winter night and uh, t- telling a fable to kind of get them through the hard times. And uh, then, as, as i told you, I've, all these many years, I've haunted by the fact I knew Celebration has some wonderful songs. And if I, I think some wonderful characters, yeah, <clears throat> but it just never what didn't come together right, if, and I knew it, but after many, many years, I gave it to one of my sons, Sam, who we will meet tonight, to read. He'd never seen it, and it still hasn't, this will be the first time he's ever seen it. Nice. And he said, "You know, it's great, but you don't know what you're writing, you don't know what it's about." And that was true. So I began, that was five years ago, so I began a process of trying. I tried many different things until I finally came upon an ending. I thought, of you know, finally, it came, an ending that I liked and I'm looking forward to seeing because I'm hoping that maybe after all these years it will finally work, you know? That's that's really interesting. It's curious. I've been coming up with endings... Two things. Uh, the way I'm working on a musical called A Game of Love, <clears throat> which is based upon the Anatole plays of Schnitzler, <clears throat> set in Vienna, uh, a series of love affairs. In Vienna, mainly in the 1890s, but then the, the last play, it takes place in 1912, when he's older and has his chance for a last big love affair with a beautiful young girl who's throwing herself at him and he refuses her and he says, you know, you're going to love many, you're beautiful and you're going to love many men, many, many men and they will be loved and they will be forgotten but I want to be the one you can remember. Just this one time, I want to play a trick on time. And uh, then... She goes off with her young lover to make love, and he takes the boutonniere and puts it, and they and everybody comes out and they sing a song. This is all music by Offenbach, a song the game of love, a, what a, a, a charade, a souffle, with playing the game, and they're all out. And then this is all in a in a place outside the Vienna woods, you know, a little cafe outside Vienna and the fireworks display and they all rush to the balustrade and they're laughing, fireworks. And then as they watch the fireworks slowly morph into machine gun fire and mortar fire and bombs and as their faces realize what's happening then the lights dim down and you know that life is gone forever. Wow. And so that was an ending, that that ending makes, the, the show itself is full of Delicious things and fun things and amorous things, but it's so full of wit, if I do say so, and rue mixed together. But having this ending, you've enjoyed it along the way, but it, it, and they've just sung that it's a souffle, but that you see the souffle in a different way when you realize (coughs) where it's going. And so, before my ending, I'm hoping to get all of my endings straightened out. You
0: know? <laughs> well, I, f- I found when uh, you guys published the scripts for Fantastic Celebration uh, together in the yes. like, early 70s, I think. Yes, like yes. And you wrote int- intros oh,
1: yes, to both and scripts. I- and, and I really hate what I wrote about Celebration at that time. I like
0: what you wrote. But uh, what what really struck me was you said at the end of it that, you know, someday you hope to do revisions. yes. And, and have you been
1: thinking about that all oh, since I, then? <laughs> I knew by, by the early 70s, yes, I absolutely knew that something was wrong. That with that much good material and so much funny things and yep. so forth, that that people, people thought I was just saying that the old are corrupt and that the young are pure and they will, they will change the world. But of course that's not what I'm trying to right. say. My old pal... Liz Smith, you know, the columnist who I went to college with, uh, Mary Elizabeth, and a real, she said to me at the time, she said, you know, the problem is when people think you're simple, you're complex, and when people think you're complex, you're simple. <laughs> and I knew there was some truth in that. It's like it's just not quite clear. I couldn't quite get it lined up right. Well, so I want to talk a little bit
0: about the actual things you changed, it, it seems to me like you changed the beginning and the ending of the show a fair amount. Yes. Um, I really like the other version, but it, the other version definitely feels more 1960s experimental theater. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, this yeah, feels the, uh, the more version, contemporary. The
1: other version, you mean the ending, or the ending and the I mean, beginning? The both. whole
0: thing, really, to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, And, it,
0: and the, other, the other thing I've noticed in the rewrite is it seems like you've taken a lot of God out. yes. Yes. Talk talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, uh, I tried, not just God, but I was taking out a lot of the symbolism. You know, <clears throat> my relationship with God is uh, underlying a lot of the work that I do, but I don't, it can so easily be misunderstood, you know, and sometimes I just Chose one because it seemed like a colorful thing. I mean, to have a gl- plate glass thing of the eye of God, but yeah, sitting in the audience, how are you supposed to? What am I really saying there? And then I don't know what I'm really saying. To tell you, I have very strong beliefs in the possibility of form. I don't in any way believe in an anthropomorphic God with a white beard or a not white beard, a dark beard or no beard or sideburns or a woman or whatever, you know. I believe there is energy. When you die, as my wife did in February after a long and terrible illness, the energy, I mean, the... The matter just transforms, just rearranges, you know. And the energy that you have created exists. And uh, uh, I don't think, I don't think there's any way we can, I feel that there is, it's too striking to me. Let me quote a little bit of a song of Maud's, okay. Her first song. She sings him, nightly brightly in the sky, wheels of fire go spinning by, giant spiral nebulae spinning round and round, round and round and round. Look inside some microscope, what seems solid isn't, nope, in each tiny isotope other worlds abound, and they're spinning, always spinning, round and round and round. Birth and death and birth again, joy, despair, romance. In and out the circle spin, it's the cosmic dance. See the lovers bending low, see the seed beneath the snow. Out of darkness life can grow, this is what I've found. We are in a cosmic dance, spinning round and round. But... In those terms, I, uh, uh, that I think of in some way is my concept of God. There is something happening that we can't that we can't comprehend, and also there is, just like it says in Star Wars, there is the dark force, and there is a life force and a dark force, and they are not. They are sometimes like diametrically opposed, and they're always intertangling. Sometimes they're inside us, the same two forces, also struggling and inter- and changing and and whatever. These are the mysterious elements. But the problem with the great book, the one of the best books I know about religion. Well, one of them is a recent, fairly recent one by Elaine Pagel. Call uh, the Gospel of Thomas, the discovered uh, missing Gospel from among the Dead Sea Scrolls, <coughs> of Thomas. And the other is one by uh, Watts. Um, can't remember who's, uh, Watts uh, call the Wisdom of Insecurity. Alan Watts, who wrote many Zen books, I all of which I bought, none of which I could understand a single word. <laughs> but this is very simple and clear. And Kind of the basis of it is that there's this great vision, and these great people come along, like Jesus and 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 Buddha and so forth, and they have this vision, and then once they have it, the people after them try to like set it in stone, as if it as if it weren't in motion, but it's all in motion, and uh, uh, he, he has a great line in that book: it says God points the way. But unfortunately, we would rather suck his finger than look where he's pointing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I forget way back what the question was. Um, uh, it had something to do with celebration, if I remember correctly. Well, let, let me ask you this: What
0: what do you hope that somebody takes away from celebration? because let me let me tell you this we we were when we were rehearsing the show we thought this is so strange this is so wild and people are going to have a good time but we're not sure if they're going to follow we're not sure if they're going to stay with us and they totally stay with us you can tell from the laughs they're totally yeah. you know following yeah. this story they know exactly what's going on um, and we were really Um, gratified, surprised that everybody really embraces it and really goes along for the ride.
1: Yeah, I was astonished at all all of the reviews unless you just hid the bad ones. But they (laughs) all seem to kind of get it in one way or another. And what I want them to take away... You see, I, I don't... It's not an intellectual thing that I want them to take away. I want them to feel connected and feel that somehow it relates to their own life and who they are becoming and who they might be. And then mainly I just want them to laugh and cry and and uh, and feel some mysterious stirring that I don't necessarily... Just like I don't want to like... And think it's presumptuous to think that I can... That the one can it's it's touching in a way that people make God into themselves and themselves into God, I mean which that's a that's a great idea, but I, they don't exactly do that that 's in the book of Thomas thing but uh that they that they know exactly what it's going to be and the, them golden slippers and oh uh, you know and so forth and so on. There's a funny story about uh, oh, I have a couple of funny stories, but uh, they don't relate to this. But there's one about Joe Pap, and an actor dies and goes up in St. Peter or whoever it is. This is part of that anthropomorphic thing at the Golden Gate with the book, and and uh, and he tells him, "Yes, you're accepted into heaven." And the guy said, "I just I have to know if." If Joseph Papp is up here, I don't want to go here. I'd rather go to hell. And and the, the deputy says, No, no, I promise you, he is not. He is not here. So the guy says, All right, then. Thank, thank you. I'd love to. And he goes into the on those golden roads and he sees a car driving down, great big car, and uh, in the back it says P A P P, and the guy in front's got a cigar driving it. And he goes to St. Peter. He said, "I, you told me. And he said, no, no. The guy, St. Peter, says, no, no. That's God. Sometimes he thinks he's Joseph Papp.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: <laughs> the other is much funnier. And if we have time at the end, I'll tell you. Remind <laughs> me, my David Merrick joke is the best one. Nice. Okay. Uh, back to business. Now, let's see. We were talking about serious things, right? Life, well, so, death wait, Let me,
0: Let me ask you this. Um, when you and Harvey would write shows... What was the process? Were you in the same room? Not in the same room?
1: Very seldom in the same room. Very often not in the same continent.
0: Did, oh, nice. Did yeah. one of you um, usually go first or not necessarily? Uh, well,
1: I, I mean, uh, Harvey never came up with a story thing. Right. <clears throat> so I would come up with that. Or we would, like, be hired to do something like uh, the four-poster at I Do, I Do. And that was a whole different process but in both cases, once we kind of we knew what the thing was, then we would like talk and ideas and lay out possibilities, and you know, then I
0: now is that part a long part of the process? The kind of brainstorming, figuring it out.
1: Uh, the process is so long usually that uh, <laughs> that that. That isn't as long, I mean, the process of most of my shows is five to ten years, you know. Not so much the writing as getting them on. When the older I get, the harder it is. And the longer the Fantastics runs, the harder it is to get a show on. Because you can't lie about your age, for one thing. And, and, uh, you know, like the Fantastics now in its twelfth glorious year, you know. But nobody, I'm, I'll be 90 in a year and a half and people understandably want to get the crest of the wave and if not, they figure at 90 you're not, although I think I am actually going up there, but it, it, it's a logical assumption that that's not happening. But in this case, it's the best work has has been the recent work. And the La Tempesta is, as I said to you earlier is the best work I've ever done ever ever there's no question of it in my mind
0: well that's awesome though that you feel like you're still getting better with every project
1: it, it's a, it's gratifying yeah and i'm more productive i mean for one thing i've because of my wife's illness i moved we had a, had and have an apartment in the city and a house in the country and and it was just so much easier to like for all the help we had to have to do it up in the country, and I moved up there, and then I needed to be there all the time, so I never went, I would go into the city, but very rarely, and only for an overnight. So I found myself, and my wife could no longer speak or anything, and I'm not clear how much she could understand when I spoke, but I found myself there with a lot of time, and... A great need to go to a place where I could create the world rather than the world which I have no power to change, like this world, you know? Right. So, and I feel, felt particularly like in Tempesta, I related to Prospero with his wand, or in my case, my pen, being able to create a world. Although there's a lyric in there, it's not one of the best ones but it's okay, Uh, where he says, he often talks and sings to the audience, these magic powers that I possess, where do they come from? I can only guess. They come from somewhere deep inside some subterranean stream. They're down there always moving slowly like some mysterious dream. Sometimes as bright as sunlight, sometimes as dark as death. Dark as coal, they are the manifestations of my soul. I raise my staff and ghosts appear. The dead come back to life. My wife, I can see my wife. She's dancing, spinning, smiling, just as she did in life. And we see her moving around. And he lifts up his staff and she disappears. And he says... How beautiful, how sad. I have no magic crystal balls, except these orbs, my eyes. No wand except this wooden stick. The rest inside me lies. <clears throat> and when I make magic, as even now, I am diminished, brought down somehow. My body drained and out of breath. My thoughts turn dark to death to death. These magic powers that I possess, they cannot bring me happiness. And uh, that isn't one of the better lyrics, but it's r- relevant nevertheless. And uh, it's not my own case, because the last line is different. They do bring me happiness. The happiness of like being able to... I'll do one more lyric here from that. and All right. It's a, it's a, my, uh, Miranda, his daughter, and with the young man she falls in love with, she sings, I do not care for magic. Magic makes me sad, as if the things you conjure up surpass the things you had. I don't believe in omens or wishing on a star. I much prefer to place my faith in things the way they are. Some people think a rabbit that emerges from a fancy hat is something quite miraculous to see. A rabbit that is sitting still beside a meadow or a hill seems miraculous to me. I do not care for silken scarves that turn into a dove. I don't believe in magic, but I do believe in love. You touch me, and I'm changed inside. I do believe in love. That's awesome. Isn't that good? Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask when you're sitting down to write a lyric yes the first thing that comes out how much of that is in the final product do you, do you work it do you
1: oh yes torture it, it? oh yeah 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 I because mean, well, one I of the things some, I notice some, about your some, lyrics sometimes you do and sometimes it just comes out you know but and then sometimes you do it, do, it does and it doesn't in, in I do I do there's a song because Harvey and I we originally started, I always, we didn't know. I didn't know we never did any musical. I did one college musical. That was my only experience. We never, I was in college six years. They never did a musical there. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> for one thing, the drama department hated the music department, and the music department <laughs> hated the drama Of course. Department. And uh, uh, so when we started writing, it was always lyric expensive we didn't know it was another way. And then I, Harvey melody would pour out of him and we were sharing an apartment with two other people like you do in New York you know and uh, I would hear Harvey playing One and one of them for example was the music that became Try to Remember and we had another song for that spot and I thought god that is so haunting so I set that That, that's probably the first one I ever wrote to and then we would Write, I would write to music a lot of the time. I like to write that way. I love working with Offenbach. He's a champ to work with, let me tell you. No problems with him whatsoever. Well, you know, because I've written
0: a few shows, and it, and I find that that writing to music is easier because the more limitations you have, yes. the better you write.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, and so then we would do both ways. And then we would do a third way, which we only kind of, we didn't think it up... read an interview in the New York Times uh, about Lerner and Lowe. And they said they often worked from a title or maybe Lerner would give him like a few lines and then he would do a melody and then Lerner would fill in the rest. So a a song from... I Do, I Do was one... The only song we ever had that became number one on the hit parade was a song called My Cup Runneth Over With Love. Beautiful. And I wrote down this one verse and then Harvey said it Musically uh, into a regular song, and then doing the other two verse, the, the first verse, I, you know, I wrote down in ten minutes, but doing the other two verses took me f- two or three months of hard work, and I won't go into the whole details of why. Although I do that in the book, I try yeah, to yeah. explain what the re- what, what made that so hard, but. Um, let's go back to life and death and the meaning of the universe and
0: <laughs> uh the, the the one thing i wanted to ask you about the, the lyrics I, I your lyrics are just loaded with interior rhymes and alliteration and all these other wonderful little things that that give it momentum and forward motion but but it seems like that would be very hard to do uh, like my my favorite in celebration is Free are we from deity, um, uh, which is just the most amazing line. Uh, uh, um,
1: well, that whole little that whole little section, "God is dead," that's what they said. Done then by Darwin, Marx, and Freud. Yes. Free are we from deity? Of course, it sort of leaves a little void. Uh, and what that, I love about that lyric one of my is... favorite sections and.
0: It, it you know the, the mechanics <coughs> of it are awesome and it's like beautifully structured and everything, but also the content of it is really it, intense and kind yes. of cool. And
1: <clears throat> um, in uh, Game of Love, I loved writing to often. Not he does witty music, but he also does wonderful, mellow, rueful music. but I loved writing to so called. There's a song from Pericle Da dum da da dum da da dee 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 and but then the middle part of it and I made that into "Love Conquers All" and a song for this diva to sing in one of the things and there's a section where she sings "I later fell for a dramatic poet. How could I know it would be a curse?" because the moment my love was overflowing, I'd jump right up and I'd go from bed to verse. (laughs) 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 That's funny. (laughs) And then a song which in the recording I sing, Baron Diebel called Ménage à Trois. Um, And yet I have a little weakness in spite of all my meekness, one tiny little weakness. Two young ladies ooh la la I just adore <laughs> For oh the joys that you can incur when your infatuation is triangular and oh the pleasures you can produce when you're the bottom of the right hypotenuse <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun? It's awesome I also- worked, I've worked in that for that show for 45 50 years and I never did put it out there, really. Uh, I did way in an early form when it was called Anatol. It was the first production ever done by Ellis and Rosemary for that theater that they had, uh, what was it called? It ran many, many years and became rather famous. Ellis Rabb and Rosemary Harris. Uh, APA, Association Producing Artists. But that was the first production they ever did in Bermuda when they were just starting off. But only had eight songs and and, uh, Ellis and I had a parting of the ways.
0: All right, so let me ask you one final question. Why do we make theater? What's the point?
1: Because... A better question is why do people want go to theater? Okay. Uh, And they're both related. I... It's mysterious, but theater is n- not a medium for our time, it, w- one would say, you know, like visual things are the medium for our time, basically, but theater is an auditory, but beyond that, it's, the, the analogy to me is like a fire and a fireplace it's an inefficient way to heat a house if you've ever had a house lit by a fireplace you know that most of the heat's going up the chimney <laughs> right. actually. you know but what happens when you sit by a fire is very mysterious and it it really just ha- it really happens that you are in some way connected in the to our species way way back and something deep inside you resonates to that. You don't know what it is. You don't think about it. But it, it happens when you're sitting watching a fire. It connects you with something primal in the human being. And that is true in the theater when it's done right. That, that some of the very beginnings <clears throat> of these art form of, of any of the theater is like that by the fire or by the group and a story being told that the group helps create and it if it's done right it cleans you out in a way because it makes you laugh if it's done right which is a great blessing it makes you cry which is a great blessing and then in some way it gives an affirmation of your existence and of the existence of our species and some justification for it. Now I'm going to take a nap. That was
0: awesome. That was yeah. a great answer. Thank you for joining us. This is Scott Miller. Now you too have achieved stage rock. See you next time.